very much. I want to greet you in the name of Jesus. And I uh, uh, want to thank the church, the leadership. Pastor John, is, I haven't seen him, but uh, Pastor Harvey, thank you. For, and Roland and the whole leadership for this opportunity to come back again here. Um, when you were invited in the house twice and they invite you again, it means it wasn't so bad. So, <laughs> so, so I want to thank God that I'm here again to, to share a little bit about what the Lord laid on my heart. Last time I was here, I was requested to come back again for the evening service and talk to a different uh, congregation altogether. And I'm not a great fan of repeating sermons, so I kind of asked permission to, 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 to preach something slightly different. Um, and that's what I'm going to be sharing with you to, tonight. I'm so, so blessed. My wife would have wanted to be here with us, but uh, my daughter decided to take a nap just before we left. And so she is not with us, but sent greetings. I will be talking from the book of Mark, Mark chapter 6. And it's, it's a well-known scripture that I will be attempting to, to share with us tonight. And I'm strongly convinced that God wants us to handle some of the things that he has in store for us from this scripture. It's a well-known scripture about the miracle of the feeding of thousands. Uh, that miracle of the multiplication of bread. When you look at the gospel uh, according to Mark, like many other gospels of Jesus, uh, the, the four gospels, you will uh, agree with me that the gospel of Jesus introduces us to the ministry of Jesus, that quickly as he begins his ministry, uh, he introduces his message as that of preaching the kingdom of God. And, uh, and, and if you want to hold on to something tonight, that's what I want to labor on about the kingdom of God, about the proclamation of the kingdom. Christ came to preach about the ushering in of the kingdom of God, and that message was not only proclaimed, but that message was also demonstrated. He came to preach and to demonstrate the coming or the manifestation of the kingdom of God. And this particular verse, particular section of Mark 6, of the multiplication of bread, I want you to look at it from that perspective as Christ manifesting the kingdom of God. He is reenacting the manifestation of a kingdom that is breaking into the earth. Christ comes to proclaim an expected kingdom. Jesus speaks to the Jews, the same people with this messianic expectation that one day the Messiah will come and he will introduce the rule of God on the earth. This Messiah has come and he begins to preach, healing the sick, casting out devils. And in this instance, it does a particular special miracle that I want us to look at closely. This is a very important miracle. It is repeated in every single one of the Gospels. 
And actually this miracle of the multiplication of bread is told six times in the four gospels. And six times if you uh, look at the, the miracle of the, the feeding of 5,000 and 4,000, depending on where you stand, some people say it is the same miracle that is told differently. And if you are like me, we agree that it's two different miracles, you will end up with at least six miracles of the multiplication of bread. There's something quite important that all the evangelists chose to repeat that particular miracle of the multiplication of bread. Why? Why would it be so important for the people to understand? I want to get us to that point today where we can ask ourselves, why is it that important to get back to that multiplication of bread? It's a feast. It's a, it's a celebration. It's a party. When I was preparing my message, I was working around finding a little bit more of a, 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 a challenging, provocative title. I don't like titles, but I was wrestling with title, and I came up with this tentative one that I want to drop on you just to make you think a little bit if it's appropriate or not. One extra seat at your dinner table. And, and, and I want you to bear that in mind as we're going to go through this message, that, that Christ is performing a miracle, multiplying bread, providing satisfaction to thousands to teach us something. Miracles were understood as parables in action. They were given for a purpose of communicating a message. Christ heals the blind to communicate a message. He multiplies bread, not because he had just enough power to do whatever he wanted, but he wanted to drive a message to the people. What is that message? When you look at the story in Mark... You will notice that Mark is linking the multiplication story with the question of the identity of Jesus. The entire gospel of Mark will culminate to the question of who do people say that I am? It's going to be about identifying the one in the midst, the king, the expected Messiah who has come. The identity of Christ and his kingdom needs to be revealed to the people. People need to come to understand that actually we're dealing with Jesus. The one that we've been waiting for. When Luke tells the same story in Luke 9, he also sandwiches the story of the multiplication of bread between the first section in chapter 9 verse 7 that speaks about the identity of Christ and chapter 9 verse 19 also repeats again this issue of the identity of Christ. Luke presents the story of the multiplication between two stories that are hammering the question of who Christ is. The miracle of bread is performed to reveal the nature of the kingdom of God. Christ is multiplying bread so that we can understand the new 
kingdom that Christ has come to bring on the earth. The nature of this new kingdom. How it's going to be. How are we supposed to live in it as his disciples? We know the story. Mark chapter 6 from verse 30 to 44. Mark 6, 30 to 44. I want, I'm not going to read the whole text because we know more or less the story. Christ has been ministering and he decides to go away from his disciple because he's been pressed, pressed by, by all sorts of demands. And as they go away, technically they ended up in Bethsaida, end up in the northern region of Galilee, and before they knew it, there was already a crowd waiting for them. Thousands of people. They're described to be about 5,000 without counting men and women. So we're talking probably about a crowd of over 20,000 people. They were waiting and praising. The scripture says when he met them, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a, sh without a shepherd. And he ministered to them, he healed their sick, and he preached the gospel of the kingdom. But then, the days passed. On the third day of following Christ, a crisis is unveiled. There is no food in the land. They are in the middle of nowhere and there is no enough food. So the disciples come to Jesus and they ask him, I think we need to do something here. We have, we're sitting with a crisis. Send the people away because there is no food and it's getting late. The story tells us that Christ approaches the challenge differently. And he says to them, you, yourself, Give them something to eat. You yourself feed them. The disciples then wrestle with cross and say, but even if we wanted to meet their needs, even if we wanted to work, it's going to take us months of work to meet the needs of the crisis. But I'm interested by the answer of Christ. The answer that is telling the disciples here representing the church, give them yourself something to eat. Feed the crowd, all of them, an impossible task. But I want to draw our attention once again back to the context. Not only that, the story is told within the context of the revelation of the king and his kingdom. But the location of the miracle is quite important. The story is happening in Galilee. Christ decided to start his ministry in a very interesting area. In the area of Galilee. Galilee is an interesting part. Some scholars say that. It was not really made up with pure Jews per se. Or if there were pure Jews, but it was a mixed society. People from all over. 
We're talking about a city that was under the rulership of Herod the Great and later on passed on by the time of Christ. Antipas, Herod Antipas is ruling that particular region. It's ruled by the Romans, but also because of the, it became a center of commercial center, it attracts all sorts of people, a mixed community. These are the people that were following Jesus. A reflection of the inclusivity of the kingdom of God. These are not pure Jews if there is such a thing as pure in any race. Some scholar said that even an impeccably Jewish Galilean in the first century Jerusalem was not among his own people. He was as much a foreigner as an Irishman in London or, Texan or a Texan in New York. His accent would immediately mark him out as not one of us. And all the communal prejudice of the supposedly superior culture of the capital city, Jerusalem, would stand against his claim to be heard even as a prophet, let alone the Messiah People from Galilee were considered as foreigners in their own land. It was a place where everybody was mixed, a cosmopolitan. Really, if I was pre preaching back home, I'm going to say a poiki course of some sort. Everything was there. This is the crowd that is following Jesus. This is the crowd that is in the context of Christ wanting to reveal his kingdom and reveal himself as a king who's marking the way the kingdom of God should be lived out. So Christ, when he comes and tells them, Church, Peter, John, you feed them. It's making a very challenging appeal on these guys. A very challenging appeal that probably challenges the mind of the people because some of the people who were there may not have been even Jews. But the feeding needs to be for all. Look when you study him, he's actually referring to Jesus' words as feed the crowd, not just them. That community of people made up of people from all over. So I want us to remember, we're talking about a crowd that is mixed. We're talking about a ministry taking place in Galilee, a region that is so mixed that even the Jews themselves will feel that these are not one with us. We're talking about a region that has been under oppression, under colonial rule, which means the people who were in the land at that time were feeling the pressure of the Romans. Yes, if you study a little bit around the story, you will understand, as many scholars will say, that uh, uh, Antipas was not as bad as the previous guy. It's always like that, you know. The new guy said, no, he's not as bad as the previous one. But Antipas is not as bad as the previous one. But for the Jews, the name Herod, the name Herod 
means trouble. It means oppression. So by the time the grandson takes over and rules the land, even if he was good, it still represents something challenging to the Jews. So they were under oppression. And in that context of oppression, Christ says, I want to reflect, manifest my kingdom. I want to manifest my kingdom. The miracle itself happens in such an interesting way. Christ's identity needs to be revealed. The kingdom needs to be revealed. Let's find a solution to the problem we have. My solution, because I love the crowd, send them away to look after themselves. I, I strongly believe that the, the, the disciples didn't mean evil. They were being practical. They were being reasonable. They actually say we have the heart to help, but it may take us months before we help them and they will all be dead. But if we all go, we'll survive. But they come to Christ with their solution. But the kingdom of God has got a different solution to the problem. So Christ says to them, you feed them. But Christ, we have nothing. We, we want to feed them. But we can't. Look at the progression of Christ's idea. You can't go and find out. Because maybe the first answer we can't help them, even if we were to work, it's going to take forever, was based on an assumption that there is no solution that we can find. So Christ says, go and find out. Good disciples, like good church, like connect, we go and we begin to search in the crowd. It must be a huge task. Where do we find a solution to deal with such a crisis? They go in the crowd of thousands of people and they search around, do we have a solution? I can only picture myself in, put myself in the shoes of the guys that go to the first guys. Do you have enough food? We don't. We do have. We don't. But they keep on searching. Because there is a sense in which they believed the command of Christ that somewhere, somehow, we've got to find a solution. They come back with a solution. But this solution appears as though it is no solution. We only have, with, with all our searching, we, we only found five loaves and two fish. 
kingdom of God. The manifestation of the kingdom of God. We only found five loaves and two fish. I don't know who was the spokesperson to bring such a stupid report. Peter, you're going to go first and you're going to tell them we only have five loaves. But did you see the crowd? Do you understand the, the, the magnitude of the problem we're sitting with in the country? Do you understand the implications of what you're just saying? You would have probably do better to stay quiet and never say a word. Because our mind has a sense of a logic with us that seems to rationalize everything about the kingdom of God. And that's what my problem is with us in the church. We use our brains than hearing the voice of the kingdom on how to deal with the challenges we're facing as a nation. I want to help, but we can't because what I find is meaningless. It can't meet the need. We only have five and two fish. But you see Christ being God, remember again in the context of, of introducing us to the identity of Christ. By the way, Mark in chapter 1, verse 1, began by introducing the, 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 the gospel, that this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It was important to mark that because this is the guy you're going to be talking about. This is the guy who sent them, go and find out in the crowd. I know you've been thinking and you have not found a solution, but find out. This is the God who says, now go and find out, knowing what is out there. Talking to his disciples. Five loaves, two fish brought to Christ. The Bible says, he prays, give thanks, and he gives it to the disciples. Go and give them. Give all of them. Make the, tell them to sit up, to sit down, sit down in groups of 50, and so on. There was a sense in which there was a supernatural miracle that happened that allowed the people to be seated in groups of 50 with an expectation that a meal is coming. Let me tell this to the church. When we recover our faith in the doing of God, the masses will begin to get back in sync with what God is doing. When we begin to understand that God is at work and he will do it and we are obedient to the doings of God for the revelation of his kingdom on earth, the nation will align itself with the mind of God. They don't follow because we're speaking human reasoning. It can be done.
We don't have enough. Even if I wanted, I can't resolve all their problems. It is Christ who want to heal us, who want to satisfy us, who want to transform us, who want, who want to manifest his glory and his kingdom in our midst. Let's bring it back home. He wants to transform and satisfy South Africa. If we can hear God and if we can believe as his church, we can provide direction and we'll be amazed on how the nation is coming in line. Tell them to see it. Like an army in group of 50, group of 100. Let them be well Everybody will be taken care of. Nobody need to rush. Nobody need to bribe anybody or know somebody in Saxon world. We will all be satisfied. We will all receive what God intends us to receive so we can see the manifestation of the kingdom of God in our land. The little we see is actually much more when we trust God with it. Tell them to sit. Tell them not to panic. I, I pray that as we're getting closer and closer to 2019, and I know, I know, I know many people, churches don't want to talk politics, and I, I'm not here to talk politics. I didn't get, receive that mandate. But the issue is we're we all concerned because we see where things are going. But this is my plea. If we can trust God, we can provide leadership. If we can trust God, the voice of the church can be the healing voice for the nation. If we can trust God, things can turn out just fine in our land. Tell them to sit. John gives us a glimpse, a little bit of a nuance in his story of the multiplication by telling us when the searching for solution started where it was found. And I've been praying and I say, Lord, what is it that you want? And I, I kept on hearing this voice in my heart. And I shared with the team earlier about a youth revolution. About a youth revolution. A people that still has hope. When they sent to look for the food in the crowd, they did not find it with the wealthiest or the the greatest in the crowd. John says it was found with a little boy. 
The solution was in the hands of a little boy. Now you've got to understand many of the people that followed Jesus were all more or less the marginalized, the poor, the downtrodden. Now I just don't know how this boy succeeded to keep his lunchbox until it was needed. But the point, once again, John, whenever he writes and he points to miracles, he calls all his miracles signs. He uses the concept of sign to describe all the seven miracles and everything in that book, by the way, every supernatural activity is a sign pointing in a direction, pointing to Christ. So the fact that he, he found it important to inform us that the, the, the five loaves and the, and the fish were found with a boy is quite telling. A people that is oppressed under the rule of the Romans this diverse group that all feeling the pain and most of them like those who are following Christ are marginalized people they find their hope wrapped up in a little baby in a little child the solution is not found in the capital city is not found with the greatest in the land is not found in the most influential people the solution that God was looking for as he said go and find out among the people was found on the lap of a young boy There is hope for our nation because there are many among our children who are still susceptible and ready even not knowing to be used by God to bring about a revolution that will heal the land and take it to its prosperity. I have great hope for this country but my hope is not it's not in the Robin Islanders no my, my hope is not in the guys who are fighting for positioning because they feel they owe it to them for what they went through my hope is wrapped into the younger generation that still has a desire to see a future not those already finished their race and they just want to retire we still have a life to live. We have a life to live. And I pray that our young people will be part of this revolution that will bring about healing and change. That will bring about this fellowship table that Christ said where everybody was provided for and satisfied everybody not in commotion 
Not because I fought hard. Not because I pushed through my, my way. Everybody sitting, waiting in expectation, knowing whatever is coming from God for us will be sufficient for all. Let me wrap up. The disciples suggest, let's send them away. Christ's command, find a solution yourselves. Feed them. Go find out yourself. Thirdly, a young person avails his seed miracle. Becomes a catalyst, a willing catalyst for the change and the celebration that is to come. And as a result, there is satisfaction for everybody in the crowd. They did not die. They celebrated. And the Bible says, and there was left over. There was enough that was left over. And this miracle gave us a glimpse of what the kingdom of God would be like. When Christ is in charge when Christ is directing our thoughts when Christ is calling the shots when Christ is speaking and the church is listening I pray that we remove our earplugs and get acquainted again to hearing God Especially if we're sitting with a crisis. Especially if we know that we can't resolve the problem. I pray that we hear God. I pray that we wait on Him. I pray that we submit to whatever Christ's leading is for us as a church. Here, I want to talk to the young, the younger generation, the young people. I want to talk to those who, who still have hope left for the nation of South Africa. I want to challenge us not to put our trust in men, not to put our trust in the systems of this world. Not to put our trust in our own reasoning. Proverbs 3 says, do not lean on our own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, 
and he will direct your path. I want to speak to that younger generation, carriers of what I'm referring to as a seed miracle, that little hope that still have left in you, that, that hope for our nation, that hope that is in you, you represent the possibilities yet unfolded. I pray that you will be part of the transformation. I pray that you will come to the fore and not hidden in the crowd. I pray prophetically to the young people who are hearing me. I pray that you should not be silenced, but you should rise above the storms of our time and be prepared to be used by God to manifest his kingdom so the church can provide leadership to this world. I pray that we will be the catalysts. And you hear I'm saying we because I'm still a very young person. Not too young. But my prayer is that really we still we will still have hope. Can contaminate the rest. My prayer is that the church will catch up with God's idea for our nation. And not be part of the problem. I didn't mean to say this, but let me just say it more politically correct. I was told on Friday by somebody about my last visit here. And the person tells me, he's not a member of the church. No, echoes travel fast, especially if you are on the internet. So everybody heard whatever was on the, the feed. And, and I got an attack from places I did not even expect. And the attack came from my fellow black brothers. And I'm not going to go into the details, but this, it, and, and the words were people are angry with you. Why? You are not in the position to speak issues of transformation about the land because you are foreign national. And, and, and I could not understand where this is coming from because you're replacing one problem with another. You're replacing the issue of tension that we have, racial tensions in the land and social inequality in the land with another social problem of xenophobia. He can't speak because he's a foreign national. He did not go through the pain of this country, so he is not entitled to speak on our behalf. Who sent me to speak on whose behalf? 
I'm commissioned by God to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as long as as a church we did not yet clean up our mess, we part of the problem. We cannot provide leadership to the world. We cannot be the solution. We will find every reason to say it can be done. Send them away. Things will fall in place somewhere, somehow, naturally. They will not. They need Christ. They need Christ manifested in our midst. They need the kingdom of God breaking in South Africa. And it's going to do that through the manifestation of the church. When the church learns to speak the mind of God wherever it finds itself. I'm passionate about the issues of transformation. And I want to believe God for a new era. An era of change. And I believe God with a younger generation that is still longing to see God work, heal us and use us and impact the nation. And I don't know if that is you and you feel burdened just like me. And you say like that little boy, I am a carrier of something that I know in the hands of God, in the hands of Christ. As I stand obedient, we will transform our land. I want you to come and pray with me. I want to believe God with you. It is true I'm not from this land. So tomorrow, tomorrow I may be gone. But I wish and I pray that many more will rise. Our heart for God, for the land, will rise among our people, our young people. Passionate to see changes in our homes, changes in our community. Proclamation of the gospel that changes lives. If you hear and you say, man of God, I want to believe God with you. I want to pray with you. I want to pray a prayer of impartation. This prophetic ministry that God has given the church and many of us have left behind. I want us to catch up with the fire of God and be the instruments of God, the carriers of hope wherever we find ourselves. If you're here, come. I want to pray with you. Just come closer you. I want to trust God with you. I want to trust God with you. Just come. If, 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 if this is, this, if, if it's resonating with you, if, if you carry something with you, it may be insignificant. You don't know, I don't even know how I'm going to be a solution to this country. But I, I want to tell you, you just don't know how much you have potential you carry within your hands. You have no idea. That the future and the salvation of this country depends on you. Depends on if your obedience. You just don't know that you are prepared for a time such as this. That God has preserved you so he can make use of your weakness and your limitation. Just because you're ready to be used of God. We can start a revolution that will change your lives. That will heal the land. That will manifest this complex, diverse nature, beautiful nature of the kingdom of God. Just lift up your hand where you are. 
Just lift up your hands. I prophesy a new beginning, a beginning of a revolution with God. I prophesy a word from your mouth to this land. I declare that what fills your hands will be used of God in this generation. Of this prompting from the Spirit about a young man Rising in places where you did not expect him to rise. And I'm declaring over this congregation, even in the political realm, I declare and prophesy the rise of courageous God ordained Christians raise it to raise the banner of Christ and bring about transformation in the land. I prophesy a new season of authority guided by the mind of God for the nation rising from the midst of those standing here. I declare in the name of Jesus that you shall be used of God to proclaim his kingdom, to manifest his kingdom. Father, I declare an impartation. Of a radical revolution of the kingdom of God, the manifestation of your power tangibly wherever your people will find themselves. They will no longer be silent by used of God to proclaim your kingdom, to manifest your kingdom. Father, do your thing, do your work. Heal our land and use us as your servant. Use us as your servants and bring about change. You have preserved us, Lord, for a time such as this to be used. Catalyst of life and change, prosperity, satisfaction for all. And I declare right now your favor upon your people. Every hand lifted here, declare your favor, your blessings. I declare the infusion of your spirit to be used by you. In a glorious manner in this generation.
May the Lord use you to reconcile. May the Lord use you to satisfy. May the Lord use you to break racial barriers. May the Lord use you to uplift the nation. We stand against every spirit of division, discrimination, evil plan of the enemy to bring confusion, fear in the land. And we declare, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven in the name of Jesus. Father, we honor you and we bless you. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for an available people, availing people for your work. Thank you for this church that you're using to start a new movement, a great movement, a God-honoring movement of life change of the kingdom of God. We bless your people. We bless the leadership. We bless the eldership. We bless every single one in the ministry. We declare your favor upon this land, upon this church, mighty God. Use them. Use, use, use to influence the course of this nation. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you. God bless you.